Today's episode of the Gestalt Education Show is brought to you by three of our favorite sponsors, Human Locomotion, Core360 Bell, and Dynamic Disc Designs. All the information can be found below. By now, you have definitely heard us talk about them, so check out the show notes, click the links, use the codes, and uh, make sure you support our favorite people. Uh, as always, we got a great episode lined up for you today, and thanks for tuning in. everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Gestalt Education Show. Uh, today, we've got a great episode for you. Uh, Brett, this is one thing, you know, we've got a lot of feedback from our awesome listeners, which we appreciate so much that uh, they're kind of wanting uh, a little bit more of, you know, you and I breaking down some of the things. You know, we've been lucky. We've sat down with some of these amazing guests, but maybe more condensed version of some of the things that we talk about mm-hmm. uh, with our guests. And so, the one that we've had rec- recommended the most is DNS. Right. So, uh, DNS, uh, I mean, it's a passion of both of ours. We were both lucky enough to be in Prague in August, last August, and I was lucky enough to finish the coursework. But uh, DNS is literally, I mean, that is the lens that we look through literally everything with. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a reason it's in the core four because the assessments are great and the treatment's amazing. But maybe, Brett, can you just uh, unpack DNS for us a little bit? Where Kind of tell your origin story with DNS, and then we'll kind of get into, I don't know, the magic behind it. Maybe talk about what some of the naysayers say or some of the, the, you know, the downsides of it or things like that. But uh, maybe just start <clears> with your your origin story well not to age myself but uh i was following uh pavel Kolos around before ds existed so that that's hard to even wrap my brain around but i think that you know my background with it is one of my big mentors who was clayton skaggs he was um in tight with uh uh Dr. Levitt and Yanda. And through that, we, you know, we started to get around uh, Pavel Collage. And at the time, this would have been like, you know, early 2000s, really, no one even really knew who Pavel was. So, but, you know, we were over there for either one of my trips with Clayton, or we were there on the D course, I don't remember, or not the D course, but like the, the rehab thing with Craig Liebenson was culminating in Prague, you know, so, and so Craig was organizing a trip. And so we went there and at the end of this, this week, there was multiple different people that were involved in the Prague school. And this final, uh, this final day, it was, uh, Pavel and I was the patient and I had a bad shoulder and, um, you know, no, there was no notes. There was no translation. It was, it was pretty raw, quite honestly, but like I could feel in my own body, like how amazing, you know, working with Pavel was. And honestly, at the time it was, it was a lot of reflex locomotion that had been modified a little bit through Pavel's genius and things like that. And, um, real quickly, I think Clayton and I at the time and then the others that were on the trip with us, we kind of, we were like, we knew we were looking at greatness then we just, it was so raw at that time. So that's kind of how, you know, we originally got exposed. Well, with, with us being in St. Louis with uh, Clayton Skaggs, we started running Pavel out quite a bit, you know? So he, at that time he was traveling and he was coming to the United States a couple times a year. And, and honestly, I was following this dude everywhere, you know, like I was wherever he was in the U S I was going to be there. And, um, then, you know, it just kind of evolved DNS evolved. And, uh, and now I always kind of jokingly say we, 
we we weren't great at teaching DNS in the beginning, but as the years go, gone on, I think you know now the coursework. I think like you leave a DNS seminar being able to implement it. You know, obviously it's like looking out in the ocean, and um, so I think it's just an explanation for you know everything that you know we all do in our practices on why there's joint blockage, why there's trigger points, why there's fascial densification, why there's neurodynamic. Um, issues, whatever the example might be, it's just this beautiful overreaching thing. And it doesn't interfere with any of those other things. They're all important. They all have their role. It's almost like a piece of a puzzle. And, uh, but I think for me, at least it's very, uh, very important to know why all those things occur. And I think that is, it's so beautiful where it all fits in and, and it doesn't take anything away from what we teach in MPI or, uh, with, uh, neurodynamics or, MDT. you know, MDT, SFMA, it all like literally fits in this most majestic, beautiful puzzle. And, uh, and that's kind of the game of it is who can, who can put, who can make all the puzzles pieces fit the best and who can do it quick, the quickest, I guess. So. Yeah, it's it's uh, one of the first things I heard you guys you talk about with. Oh, I'm on mute. One of the first things you know you you kind of talked about with DNS is the why behind everything, and I think that that's, I think that's what drew me to it originally. My kind of origin story is I got convinced to take a DNS A course when I was in Tri One. It was like the end of Tri One. It was you and Elena yeah. in Kansas City, and there was still a lot of reflex being taught. That was like right when reflex was being wow. done, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I didn't even understand neurology at that point. You're doing these crazy things, but I think the thing that captivated me is that there's just really nothing that changes audits, functional tests, FMS, SFMA, like all of these things that we are using as audits or, or assessments. Nothing changed. It like DNS does. Yeah. And that's the beauty of like, even if there's like a, in every time we do a seminar, you know, you're always going to have someone in the room that's kind of the problem child. And you've heard me say this a million times. It's like, give it two days. Like it, the, it, it, a seminar because it's so powerful that even if someone's in the room and they're, they're wanting to deny it, what it like real quickly, you feel it in your own body or you see like, you know, the results that you get with it and there's no denying it. You know, it's not for everybody because it's difficult and it's not algorithmic. It's not cookie cutter. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's what makes, that's what the naysayers, there's other things that people, you know, would potentially throw stones at us for, but that's one of them is that, yeah. you know, the average contemporary student is looking for a cookie cutter algorithmic way to get through there. And I get it. I mean, it's easier to cook. Yeah. It's easier to cook if you have a recipe, but the best cooks in the world, what do they do? They can't tell you why they're adding this and that. They're, they're able to just kind of, um, be okay with the fact that there's a little bit of grayness and understand like the power of it and that, you know, you're not going to be great at it in three months. Like, I mean, it's a journey that we're all on. And so that's, I mean, I think that's one of the, the frustrating things. But also for me, we always say like, there's so many people who can put together a rehab program program in the world. And there's not like that many people who are great at manipulation or great at ART or great at DNS, which that's what I love about our profession. I mean, you're working to, if everybody could do it, it wouldn't be fun, that's you know? Right. So, right. yeah. Well, and I, I think, like you said, the naysayers, it, it is difficult. And one of the things that I think has gotten better at teaching, you know, I've, I probably saw you teach more in the last five years than anyone on the planet. And one of the things that you know, we've been incorporating in our teaching. It doesn't matter if it's a TMJ weekend, doesn't mean it matter if it's a DNS weekend. It's 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 not an algorithm, but it's ideas. Right. 
like, hey, this would be an idea to maybe take right. this. You know, we always learned in, in rehab, like in chiropractic school, okay, well, here's your regressions, here's your progressions, this is the how it should work. And in DNS, that doesn't necessarily mean it, you know? Like, just because someone is starting in your day, you may be using bear position or a higher mm-hmm. month position in DNS with that patient. You're not just going to work through them. And and part of that is is the mixing and matching. But I think having some ideas about how to approach things is what, what has, like, gotten so much better in my opinion. Well, I think, too, I mean, like, and this is very, like, anti- anti-prog school thinking, but I think it does help people in the front end when you're just learning this to think of, you know, what is, you know, if the diagnosis is spinal stenosis, let's just say, if we can get our diagnosis right, what are the five DNS positions that are going to have a great effect in that condition? Or if we're talking about shoulder impingement, or if we're talking about thermostabular impingement, or we're talking plantar fasciitis. So although we're not cookie cutter, you still got to have some baselines. And I think like, it's a mistake to just keep it so open-ended to where like you don't even know where to start because anything's possible. You got to have some rules and you got to like start with these five corrective exercises and then kind of like, then you can start to expand a little bit. But I think I've kind of learned at least in teaching to like keep it open a little bit to where it's not cookie cutter, but like if you have this ICD 10 code, or you have this trigger point in pectoralis major, or you have thoracolumbar joint blockage, or you have this neurodynamic test, giving them examples of these are the correctives that would be good for you to to use to change those things. And then as you start to get more proficient with it, then you're able to kind of like, as we say, call an audible and kind of like change it and make it unique to yourself. But I think early on, it, it, it can be helpful to kind of think that way. And you know, my new thing is, and last week we talked about on the podcast, like, yeah, it's very like intriguing and inspiring to be thinking of this whole kinematic sequence and, you know, to start far away from the side of symptoms. But we all know when you're young that you, you gain your confidence treating proximally, not distally. So there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, you can treat proximally with still the understanding of having a greater effect with DNS with treating the more global problem. And I think like that is, uh, that is, also a really important idea or concept with DNS, which is DNS is less concerned about the, the, the barking dog, basically. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for the barking dog, we have, you know, our medical doctors can give steroids, we can give injections, we can, uh, we can use shockwave. We, you know, we have all the tools for the barking dog. DNS is more about what's making the dog bark, you know? So like in trying to get after those type things. And I think that's, um, you, you basically are covering all your bases by doing that. That's the beauty of DNS. We're not so hung up on the, where the pain is. Mm-hmm. We're more hung up on where the true sighted dysfunction is. And, uh, we have the tools to work on the painful spot, but we also have our tools to, um, change it from a DNS standpoint we just feel like um developmental exercises are the best way to change and redistribute muscle tone throughout the the human body i mean to me and i you know me i'm a critic and you kind of are too we're critics on ourselves and we're critics kind of on everything really in a way in a good way healthy way but like you just cannot deny the power of dns it's just it's just so powerful well, I think that brings up a good point. Let's maybe kind of pull backwards a little bit, Brett, about the origins or the maybe the principles of DNS that the principles of DNS period, you know, the three things that you always bring up is joint centration, uh, multi-sensory integration, and abdominal wall. Abdominal yeah. wall. And so I think those three things are kind of, you know, yes, developmental kinesiology is our gateway to those things, but those are the three principles that we always respect when it comes to DNS. And honestly, like, you know, one of your early quotes I heard you say is 
and this is probably Pavel or Robert, someone said to you, but you know, every exercise can be a DNS exercise if you have those three components after. And so I think that's what makes it unique to DNS, those three components, you know, compared to like other, uh, technique systems. So I think too, like the abdominal wall, no one really gives Pavel credit for that. But I mean, like he was the first person in the world to actually talk about, like a treatment that would actually be addressing postural stabilization of the diaphragm. You know, uh, Leanne Chateau and others, even Dr. Levitt, um, people had talked about the importance of, you know, the diaphragm respiration, of course, that's no news to anybody. But really, and, and Paul Hodges, Sapsford, um, and some others loosely had mentioned it, but Pavel was really the first one to start actually talking about the function of the diaphragm from a stabilization standpoint. And he deserves credit for that. I don't think that he gets credit for it. And so I think that's like makes DNS really, really unique. And you've heard me say this a million times. There's so many things we're unsure about, but like, I think a hundred years from now, the way that we're teaching the abdominal abdominal wall function currently we're going to get better at doing it but like i know that's right like i know in the back of my mind i know that that is exactly i think what's 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 occurring or what we think's occurring and now it's just about like getting it relayed well to our patients and our athletes and you know getting the buy-in from from them to to make the changes we want so that's right well and then uh you know neurology is so complicated but multi-sensory integration is another thing that i think doesn't get respected we had a yakim collage not related to to pavel collage but we had Yakim our about, second favorite color. Yeah, exactly. We had Yakim on talking about the uh, visual systems uh, connection to movement. And so utilizing, you know, Aerofossil's seven senses, you have uh, all these things in your skin, your joints, all in your muscles that are basically constantly relaying feedback to your brain. Mm-hmm. And if we can make those signals better, we're going to improve, improve multisensory integration and more than likely improve. Yeah. Function. So yeah, great point because we can make that as individuals we want and we can specialize all those different things if we want, like with professional sports, it makes a lot of sense to do that because we can assess vision. We can assess hearing separately. And then we have tools that we can, with technology, we can like work on those individual things. But at the end of the day, really, if we move joints that aren't moving well, and we um, teach the brain how to better utilize all the muscles from a stabilization standpoint, a tone standpoint, we're basically improving the fidelity of the neurologic information that's coming back to our central nervous system. So, you know, just putting our putting our patients back into these developmental positions is the ultimate control delete or reset. And we're it's kind of baked into the cake. So I mean, we can make it difficult, or we can just do a really good job on that. And I think Yakim basically exposed that. Um, if we're, you know, we're talking about like DNS answer division, well, it's not some new stuff that none of us have ever seen. It's basically using developmental positions and training the eyes with that. And I think that, you know, that in, in a world that is kind of complicated, honestly, like it's always nice to know that things can be made easier. And, uh, and I think that's important for, uh, for application of, of whatever you're talking about. That's right. I just got done teaching, a, a our course at Maryville. And one of the things we talked about was open versus closed chain. I think that's another thing that DNS exposes the, 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 the biochemistry and the neurology behind open and closed chain function, meaning 
our muscles are utilized in two different functions most times, mm-hmm. right? It's not just how we learn it in the textbook, meaning your bicep causes elbow flexion. Well, your bicep can also do the exact opposite. It can cause your humerus to, to come over top of your forearm. And, and so I think that that is another way of kind of flipping your brain when it comes to training muscles. We're not training individual muscles. We're training patterns, but we can get the brain to realize open versus closed chain, and we can train that within, within our exercises. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... The old like origin insertion, those days are over. Once you understand like how muscles are being utilized in the body, we basically have attachment sites. And whether we're in an open or closed chain situation, which you mentioned, determines which way the muscles are pulled. Well, as it turns out, people go to physical therapy or they go to um, or a chiropractor for that matter, they go to the gym. The gym, yeah. And you know, they they find themselves, especially in the upper extremity, everything we do is in the open chain. So like a lot of times the missing the missing link can be closed chain function as far as training and our muscles a lot of times are not used to being pulled in the opposite direction and there's all kinds of examples of like what that ends up doing as far as pathology and muscle tissue but um you know we use different terms because basically dns started in czech republic but to keep it really simple for like um, you know american terms um open and closed chain function is the way we all think of it and if you're if we're talking about open chain function the pull of the muscle is always going to be proximal toward the spine or whatever segment we're talking about. If we're talking about closed chain function, the pull of the muscle is always going to be toward the most distal segment. And uh, that's why that actually matters. So, I mean, if you're in the strength and conditioning world, understanding that would change how you might be doing programming or like, I just did a DNS baseball thing for the uh, professional physical therapist. And, you know, someone asked a great question. They were like, well, what about the open chain function? Because the, the hand that's throwing the ball is open chain function. That's exactly right. So, I mean, like we have to have an answer for what's happened in open and closed chain function. So um, that also, in my opinion, that's unique to DNS also. Um, joint centration is also, that's going to lead us to probably down the next pathway, which is going to be, what are our critics saying about DNS? And one of the biggest things we hear now, and this is being pushed by evidence-based medicine, which is basically, you know, everyone's kind of got their motor engram for movement. Is there such thing as a perfect movement? Is DNS perhaps being too um, perfectionistic with Specific. movement? Are we like, you know, basically creating fragility with our movement because like people are so worried that they're moving in decentration? Uh, I will actually say like that, that's a fair argument. It really is. But like at the end of the day, you know, general movement strategies, they, uh, they can also harm our patients, you know? So the answer to getting everyone better, isn't just people need to go out and move and do whatever they want. Um, sometimes we need a sniper approach. Sometimes we need perfection because, of we trained the wrong way. We sat down for the first 20 years of our life. Society's told us to hold our stomach a certain way and we've disturbed the pattern. So like if the, in some cases, like they haven't been able to reconcile it themselves. So we need you, me or whoever that understands what good movement strategies are. And then we can almost come back in and we can get things back the way they were originally. Cause a real important way to think about this, if you're struggling with this thought, which I have is 
when you work with whoever you're going to work with tomorrow, your goal, even if it's an 80 year old patient is to restore that patient to that first year life when everything was perfect. So if you've ever worked with a a child or a pediatric patient in that first year of life, you will feel that their soft tissues feel perfectly. There's no trigger point. There's no tension. There's no tone. There's no joint blockage. If you do a neurodynamic test, there will be no overt symptoms. So that's because everything at that time is so neurologically pure. So we disturb that. So a real healthy thought is the next time you work with a patient tomorrow is your goal is to restore them back to that. You're not going to do that. I mean, all of us are going to have like, you know, these entities that we're talking about, you're going to have trigger points, you're going to have tension tone, but that's a really like healthy place to go to as far as the thinking and educational model that you're wanting to return them back to it. And actually, whether we're talking, teaching soft tissue function, joint function, um, DNS, like you were wanting to compare what we're looking to, to the normal developing strategy and the normal developing strategy is in that first year life simply because everything is being perfectly utilized. If everything's physiologically developing. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good idea too. The, the story I tell my patients all day long, you know, if you're a baby here in Troy, Missouri versus a baby in Australia or Europe, you're going to hit the same developmental milestones in the first year of life. And that tells us that they're ingrained, they're, you know, innate, whatever you want to call it, they're built into the nervous system. And so uh, that's why we think it's powerful to return our patients back there is because you're kind of tapping into a little bit of a primal brain or that, you know, yeah. the, the uh, innate neurology. I know I'm saying innate a bunch for uh chiropractic, I guess, or whatever. But, you know, like there there's seems to be a bigger connection there to something that we've already been in in the first year of life. I think, too, I mean, like we unfairly get uh, painted into a corner of that we don't understand central immediate pain or nociplastic pain, central sensitization, whatever you want to say. And uh, I mean, one of our great friends is Annie O'Connor, who basically she wrote World of Hurt. But I mean, in my opinion, She's probably the best person in the world that's treating chronic pain or that has treated chronic pain or centrally mediated pain. So in saying that, I just want to like point out that like we we are not going to do it exactly like uh, Annie O'Connor is going to do it or Melissa Kolsky or whoever, you know, David Linton or um, I don't know. Butler. Butler. However, like what is really important for the young clinician to be able to do is to walk in that room and understand that we are dealing with like essentially or smudging, whatever the term is we want to call it. And that patient gets treated a little bit different. We treat it different with our words. We treat it different with our actions. Um, they might immediately be in a functional medicine hospital. They might need a pep talk today. They might need to see like, um, you know, like get professional help from a psychological standpoint. But, um, you know, to think that people who are like all in on DNS aren't paying attention to that, I think is a huge mistake because, uh, you know, it's we're, we're well aware and we're, I'm well aware too of the 10% of our patients who are going to do great with the general movement strategy. Like you just need to, uh, push, pull, hinge, lunge and carry and move your body and go on a walking program. Like all that's going to be great for you. You don't need like meticulous movement, but then that other 90% sometimes does need meticulous movement because their general movement strategies would actually got them into your office. So I think that is, uh, but also like our specific, whatever you want to say, DNS, DNS can be a gateway drug into those more 
general movement strategies is the way I look at it too. You know, if I have a patient that I know that's coming, DNS can be their gateway to getting on that walking program or to getting on their getting back in the gym and doing those little things. Like just like McGill talked about, like McGill's big three were there for a reason to get people conditioned. I think we can, we can almost program our DNS correctives, whatever you want to call them uh, to kind of get them into movement. Or I mean, Stu McGill's a great friend of ours. Like I, I respect the hell out of Stu McGill. His all of his exercises, which we actually have a McGill day here. Um, you know that is still within the DNS lens. We still trained him proper abdominal wall function. We respect joint centration in in those exercises. Um, so it's not conflicting thoughts at all, and that's what I think. What makes um, DNS more of like principles versus a technique because. Even if you went to Planet Fitness tonight and worked out on a bunch of equipment, you can still be utilizing the DNS principles on equipment, for example. Like the principles will still apply. It's not only just like developmental exercises. Um, and that's where like we have all our sport courses. We have DNS baseball. We have all these things. Like so all those movements are getting a little bit outside of what we see in the first year development. However, we'll use those exact same principles to explain why we see um, injuries in our athletes, why we see improper performance, like those DNS gives us an explanation for all of that. And, and even like for the people that are, you know, I'm assuming we're everyone that's listening to this is doing some form of manipulation. Like their manipulation is like the, one of the more, if not the most powerful modality we have to immediately change what the joints are doing. But then at some point you might ask yourself, well, why are the joints getting blocked? So we have external reasons. We have internal reasons. Sometimes our brain just not utilizing the muscles correctly around whatever joint we're talking about. And that is really, really important that we understand what that is. Cause now you have a really powerful tool. We can beat up the joint with the manipulation and then we can teach the, the muscles how to be better utilized around that. And I mean, that's like perfection. It's really good. Maybe we should define joint centration a little bit. I think that that's uh, an often confused thing because even if we, you know, Gary Gray is someone that we respect so much and, and Gary and us had a great conversation about specificity. You know, would you take your patient and train them into a valgus load of the knee because maybe they're going to get into that thing? And, and DNS maybe would approach it from a different lens of, yes, we, we, kind of understand the concept, but we would more want the brain to be able to utilize the joints and the muscles in better synergy, if you will, because we're looking at the a synergistic approach to muscle activation. Sorry to interrupt this episode, guys. Hope you're enjoying it real quick. We have an amazing, amazing opportunity. The DNS World Congress is coming to Chesterfield, Missouri this June 14th through the 16th, 2024. If you guys attended our NDS or our Neurodynamics Congress, you know that we uh, this is uh, something that's very close to Brett and I's heart, something that we are going to keep doing and keep doing and keep doing. So this year's Congress is all about DNS, dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. This is literally uh, like looking into the ocean, as Brett says. This is the lens that we look through each and every one of our patients with. And this is going to be an amazing opportunity because Pavel is back in town. So the originator, the creator of DNS, Pavel Kolash, is coming to the stage for the first time in five or six years. I don't even know how long it's been. Uh, he's bringing along with him Elena Kobasova, which is literally the backbone of DNS. Uh, she's one of the most underrated neuro- neurologists in the world. Uh, so we're super excited to hear from her. Uh, Marcella Safarova, if you haven't heard her speak, uh, she is literally the queen of pediatrics and musculoskeletal health. Uh, we also are going to have Every, almost every single U.S. instructor at the uh, at the Congress who's going to be speaking. It's going to include demos, lectures, hands-on. Uh, we're going to have, as always, uh, a get-together afterwards with your chance to talk to these guys uh, face-to-face and have a couple drinks with them. This is going to be a great, great opportunity. There's also, it's a great price too, especially for students. It's only $4.99. Uh, so be sure to use the code DNS student uh, to get your discount on that. Uh, for more information or if you have questions, go to gestaltedu.com backslash DNS dash Congress. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, I mean, I think like all of us, 
DNS instructors have kind of come off of like looking at a snapshot of movement and saying that is centrate or that's not exactly decentrate it and understanding that the idea of centration is probably like there's parameters to it, you know? And I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense. If we're talking about the knee joint, like if we are going up for a layup and we land and we don't respect that range, then, you know, then I have a little bit of a threshold I can go up against and I'll still be okay. But once I get beyond that, then I'm going to tear my ACL, MCL, medial meniscus and fracture my patella, let's say. But, um, so understanding what that range is and where Gary Gray's got a really good critique on everything, which we've had these difficult conversations with him also is he would say perfectly fine. Like, I I see what you're saying, but like out on the field, is that what they're going to do? You know, like, so if I'm running this way and I got a cut, are you telling me then the knee is just, they're going to automatically know. And that's actually a fair criticism, but I think like what that leads to in DNS is that leads to a little bit more leeway probably. So joint centration doesn't have to be like meticulously the straight, perfect line Mm -hmm. from the ankle, Mm -hmm. the knee and the hip. That may be our goal, but like we could actually start to train them by using drivers, but still within the lens of DNS. And that's another perfect example of, you know me, I'm a Gary Gray disciple. A disciple. <laughs> so like um I use the principles of DNS in that world. And um I would never be as arrogant to say that we're making it better because that would be incorrect. But we're we're putting the kind of our own kind of take on it. And uh and I think like when we, you know, if we look at the Mount Rushmore of, you know, what we're doing. As an example, Gary Gray is one face that's probably up there. So we want to not close the book on that. Like we want to be sure that we're always taking like these just gurus who've given us so much and we we let their lineage live on and like we we tell their story and we um we hope you know we hope we expose them more to the world because that's a good example because i mean i think a lot of people that you say gary gray they don't know who that is and they always get gary gray and gray cook mixed up and yeah so um which gray cook would be another good example for that but anyways you get the idea well i think too i mean when we when we look at joint centration when i first learned a joint centration was just that the there's uh there's maximum bony articulation in the mm-hmm. joint meaning the joint is lined up to the point that you have the perfect bony articulation between concave and convex you know that'd be that'd be that's how i first learned it but now like the more conversations i've listened to you rich has been hot on it too um other dns instructors you know that that range that you talk about and i think at the end of the day what we're looking for is synergy synergy of the muscles around the joint to act like guy wires meaning like the joint is safer because you have you're using every fiber of the glute max and you're using every fiber of your VMO and you're, you know, like you're utilizing all of those. And then that range gives us a little bit more leeway. I know you did a lecture in Prague a couple of years ago that where you were combining, like you said, the drivers with DNS mm-hmm. position. So Gary, Gary, great concepts of triplanar motion, but within DNS positions or, or concepts. Well, I mean, the argument that rages on would be that, you know, is this a biomechanical phenomenon or is this more like a neurologic phenomenon? I honestly personally, personally think that it's both because you have the biomechanical aspect of good joint loading that you just alluded to, but you also have the neurologic 
component to where we believe at DNS, when the joint is in a relatively centrated position, you're giving the brain the best opportunity to literally use all the muscles around that, that area. So now that gets a little bit out of the biomechanical side of it, more on the neurologic side of it. So we potentially could be maybe splitting hairs by trying to decide Probably. what it is because it's really involving all kinds of different, you know, all, all the systems basically. So um, from joint movement to roll glide mechanics of certain joints to um, how the muscles are being utilized um, to the afferent information that's coming out of the receptors of the joint and the soft tissues around there that's reporting back to the brain. So it's, it's probably, it's, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense maybe to like to try to decide exactly what uh, division it is because it's probably affecting all the, all the different divisions. And, uh, and I think that, you know, the reason it's such a hard idea is because originally if you take a DNS course, it's almost like we're having to teach it through all the developmental positions. And then we throw up an athlete and we say, okay, but here's what joints it's like, everyone's like, what? Like, so I think that's what makes it hard. And I think we're getting better at trying to explain it as time goes on. But, um, yeah. When I think like DNS is ever evolving, which I think, you know, I've, I've, I've met some people along the way that, yeah, yeah, I took a, took a DNS course 10 years ago and I, I don't know, it just didn't, didn't fit into my system. And I think that's a fair criticism of what it was 10 years ago. And I think, uh, if I could just, you know, give my own plea, uh, take it, take one recently. Like it has changed so much. And I think that especially if you're a chiropractor and you don't have a lot of time, DNS is a perfect way to integrate rehab into a short period of time. Like even if you only have five minutes with a patient, you can get so much done from a DNS perspective mm. that, um, you know, you don't have to have these long lengthy mm. rehab processes to make really good functional changes. And I think that's the power of DNS. The other, like, actually I said this on a talk I just <clears throat> did, which is like, sometimes it's so powerful and I can't believe I'm saying this because it goes against everything I've taught for 20 years. But like sometimes you don't even need home exercise. And I, again, it's, it's painful to even have that come off my lips, but like, you know, we can rely on our time with the patient and it's that neurologically dense and you can create such an amazing reset that, um, you know, that, that sometimes like them going home with a correction and maybe messing it up isn't worth the, the squeeze a little bit or like, I mean, depending on like, if you're working with like a professional team and you're working with the college and you're working with the same people every day, I mean, I hate to say this, you may not need to, sh to teach your professional athlete home exercise because you're with them all the time. So like you're there to kind of assist it and to make sure that it gets right and stuff like that. So and I'm, I'm not saying not to do home exercise. I'm just making the point that it is so powerful and DNS, not all DNS exercises go home well, as we all know. Right. So, like, there, and thankfully so, it gives us a way to, <laughs> to get working. paid. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, so I mean, like, sometimes, like, what we're doing in the treatment room might be a little different as far as the DNS exercises that we're having the patient work at, work mm -hmm. on at home. Mm -hmm. Uh, let me give you a little hypothetical here, Brett. I didn't, didn't warn you on this one. It just kind of came oh, in my head. I'm nervous now. Let's say, um, you are in charge of a stable of starting pitchers. Uh huh. How would you, uh, how would you best incorporate DNS in and like, what would be your ideal when you are with those teams and you're maybe tr more on the strength conditioning <clears> side? Like what, what would, the, what does that look like? I know the principles would bleed over into your normal lifts and things like that, but what, what, uh, what would be the best application for those people that are maybe a strength coach or an ATC out there? I just think, I mean, if you look like a, if you looked at a Venn diagram, like we, 
we don't have to all be robots of each other with their teams. We just need to, we need to know what each other can do. We need to know what the strengths are and then we can come together on certain things. So to answer your question directly is let's just take intra abdominal pressure. Okay. So we're working with an, an athlete who's got a discogenic low back or they maybe they have an oblique injury. So in a treatment session, intra abdominal pressure training becomes really, really important because that is going to aid in the treatment that's going to get them back on the field. Okay. Well, the next step is, okay, we're going to walk over to the gym. So now intra abdominal pressure becomes really, really important for force generation, not over compressing our lumbar spine segments or our joints in general. Okay, perfect. And then now, like, now our hitting and our pitching coaches also understand intra-abdominal pressure because the rarefied error of a great clinician is they can do it in those two settings, but they also know how to, like, give the athlete the imagery of what this feels like in their own body. Therefore, they can start to, like, use these principles in their, you know, in their actual life or sport. You know, it doesn't have to be athletes either. It can be, like, picking up a box at work, you know. Picking up your kid. So the the misconception, and I was the worst about this, I thought that if I had it right on those first two situations, that it would guarantee that it would be right when they weren't thinking about it wrong. Mm -hmm. So like, um, we need to continue to give the central nervous system more opportunities to get it right. And then the time to work on intra-abdominal pressure in this example isn't tonight at 7.15 and, you know, with our starting pitcher. Like at that point, we know this from the spreading research, like if... There, it's literally called the constraint hypothesis, which is basically like if we give the brain something to think about during their activity, we'll actually harm their performance. So at that point, by the time you're, you know, the bullets start flying in the games, you just got to go out and do your thing. But think of all those different opportunities throughout the day that we could be training the brain on how to correct, you know, correctly use the muscles uh, or whatever it is we're trying to train. Now we're talking about intra-abdominal pressure. And I think take that analogy and you could just apply that in scapular stabilization, foot, yep. whatever. Foot. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's like a good example in my dream world of like, if we're talking about a team or a college, like where mm-hmm. you have everyone lockstep, not everyone's got to be exactly the same person, but like, we're all kind of the same heartbeat and kind of knowing what um, what we're trying to accomplish across all the different walls and areas of a of the facets of the team. One thing it comes back to, you know, you've given your abdominal wall lecture on this podcast and in multiple seminars. I think it's all come down to terminology. Like mm-hmm. if we're if we're speaking the same language, it makes a lot more it makes it a lot easier to have those touches throughout that athlete's career, that person's career. You know, like yeah, for example, here one of our normal patients, if I'm speaking the same language that the intern is speaking back in the rehab as Natalie is speaking over in the gym, then like now you're getting multiple touches. And I mean, I'm stubborn. Like if I was in that patient's, I would need to hear it multiple times because I probably would be like, well, I mean, come on. I've been told something completely different my whole life. Like, are you sure? So then the more people are speaking that same language, I think the more you you create unity, you create a culture within that that organization or that patient's life, if you will. Right. And nobody sits through like an intra-abdominal pressure lecture, walks into their next athlete or patient and sounds like they know what they're talking about. So like we, we got a new set of interns now and it's so fun seeing them because like, I mean, we've literally laughed out loud as they kind of fumble with their words, trying to explain it. And we've all been there. I mean, but then as their experience goes on in their internship, then all of a sudden they like start to like our, um, yeah, with a uh, female tailor, our our who's joined us now. Like she 
she, I don't know when that moment was when it all clicked, but I remember like she was talking to a patient. I was in our office here and I was like, wow, that was like epically good, right. you know? So, um, you know, no one's good at it in the beginning. So don't be afraid to start it and like start struggling with your words. And like I use analogies, I use storytelling, mm-hmm. you do the same. I mean, we all have our kind of our shtick on how to get the message across, but it doesn't matter if you know it. If they don't know it, then it's not going to. It's not going to matter if you can't convey what you what you know, right? And, I, and it's not rogue memorization either. You know, I think that that's something that we keep going back to. Like, I'm not good with your stories very well. Like, I can I know your stories and I can convey them, but it's not as good as if I come up with my own. And so, I think something that helped me early on was just like literally sitting with myself and in my brain, like telling the story over and over again until I got it right. And then I walk into the treatment room and I screw it up with that patient. I'm like, shit, okay, let's redo that. Let's reword that. And it's just like constant it's not rogue memorization. It's just like rehearsal, you know, right. like you get into those flows and uh, the more you fail with it, the more, the better you get at it. And I think that that's explaining DNS is a prime example of that. And I mean, intra-abdominal pressure training isn't the answer for every case. Right. So like, that's where like being able to critically think as a clinician, I think is so epically important, which means that if you can audit the body well and you train them how to create the right intra-abdominal pressure, that will change all of your audits, which means that the next time you see that patient, it's going to change your joint play. It's going to w- change the quality of the soft tissues. So you now know you're on the right link or the right, you know, the, the, the correct key link, if you will. So I think back to your rote memorization, cause I'm speaking from experience, like, a lot of us have good memories. That's why we've done well in school throughout the, uh, throughout the years. But then like being a great clinician is about critically thinking. Let me give you an example. The hardest decisions in your life have always been when it's not like so binary, like it's in the middle. So when you've gathered all the information, now you got to make a decision and people who make really good decisions, they've, they know that it's not so like what yeah exactly um on different ends of the spectrum and um i feel like the people who are great critical thinkers they're really good at being able to draw on their experience in the past which means you got to be paying attention throughout your day if you're not paying attention throughout your day then you're not you're not going to be able to like call an audible in a case that may not be going the way that we want you know and so that's i think that's that gets glossed over. And, uh, yeah, I think that's an important point. For sure. Which, uh, uh, that's kind of like a little bit of an outline of your talk at Vegas. Mm. So, yeah. um, I, I think that that's a cool opportunity. I know that there's a lot of our friends that are going out to Vegas for Parker. Uh, Brett's not speaking anything clinical, which is going to be really cool. It's, it's, he's going to be talking about the if factor. And, uh, so I'm, I'm super excited to hear it. I know that I've been kind of helping you with your presentation a little bit here and there, and I've heard you speak a little bit about it. We spoke on it on the podcast a little bit, but, uh, I'm super excited about that. You actually have a discount code if you use, I think it's Winchester 50, Winchester dollar sign 50, you get a little bit of a discount. And, uh, we always have literally the best time ever. Like Bill Morgan has made that thing. I mean, it is unbelievable event. There's two weekends you can't miss yeah. of the year. It's Parker and it's the Adjustathon. Like, yeah, MPI Adjustathon. Yeah. That's exactly right. So I, we, we'd miss our own weddings. That's, for those that's two. exactly yeah, right. Exactly. We do have. Uh, so anyway, guys, we have we have some great DNS courses coming up. So Actually, there's three weekends this year. Three, I know. Yeah. The, the third weekend that you can't miss is June 14th through the 16th. I know you've already gotten spammed with an ad in this episode, but uh, this is this is rare form. I mean, Pavel hasn't been to the states <laughs> in five, six, seven years, maybe, and uh, so. So this and the is, U.S. team had grown so much, right? 
and we can't afford to fly everyone over from Prague. So we thought we're going to, we're going to fly Marcella, Elena and Pavel over. Pavel hasn't been over since pre COVID and uh, it's going to, you know, there'll be the USA, all the USA instructors are, will be teaching. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's going to be insane, you know, just yeah. cause like, it's gonna. Um, I, I feel like Pavel's evolved even, and uh, just to have him and have everybody there from um, the U.S. I think it's going to be a really unique opportunity. So we're excited. It's at Logan University, and so yeah. uh, we we are super thankful for them for hosting us, and uh, so that's going to be a great venue for it. Number one, and number two, I mean like. The NDS Congress that we had, it was awesome because it was melding of a lot of different people. Like this is pure DNS. And the nice thing is you're going to get a lot of different explanations from a lot of different people, which I think is super valuable because uh, you and Robert Lardner look at DNS a little bit differently, which is so cool. You yeah. and Rich Olm look at it differently. You and Mike Rintala. Right. And so uh, each person is going to kind of be set up in their zone of, z- zone of genius. I know that you're going to probably speak a little bit on baseball. You're definitely going to speak on the abdominal wall. Um, Rich is probably going to do something in the strength training world. Uh, you know, you're going to going to see uh, Pavel treat, which is going to be amazing. Uh, we're going to have a ton of patience for him. And so it's going to be just a cool opportunity for collaboration of DNS. And uh, you're going to see multiple different ways of applying DNS, which I think is the, the, the I benefit. I think too. I mean, just watching. I mean, I remember when we were young, we'd look at the... Um, the Prague instructors. And I mean, they were at such a level and I'm, they're still at that level, but like, I feel like the American instructors have evolved in their own way. So hearing like, you know, their, how they're implementing it in the physical therapy setting, the training session. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when everybody meets for the D course, it's so special. Cause you have like so many different interpretations of the same information. And like, you always leave just like, wow, I've just never heard it that way. I've never seen it that way. Um, and it, it really opens up for a really special thing. And, um, I think too, with DNS, I mean, it's just such a special thing that's come out of Prague in many different ways, not just DNS, just mm-hmm. like the greats mm-hmm. that have come there. So it's, it's kind of humbling to, you know, for us all to get together in the United States and just kind of bring it all together and expose more people to what they've created there. That's exactly right. Uh, so if you go to gestaltedu.com backslash DNS, DNS dash Congress, uh, that will have all the information for you. We haven't released a schedule yet because we're still working on it. There's a lot of moving pieces here with that many instructors. And so, uh, we, we probably won't have that out for a while, honestly, just, just as a hint, but just know that like, it's going to be a special weekend. It's a very special weekend. Uh, we also have, uh, the A, B and C, the clinical courses coming through Troy. That's every year. Uh, this year we moved back the A course a little bit to the middle of March. And then, uh, in February though, my, my, my favorite DNS course, honestly, which is the pediatrics courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are so lucky this year. Marcella uh, is coming for pediatrics one, which Marcella is, I mean, she's number OG. one in the nation, uh, yeah. number one in the, the world, world. And uh, with her background. Yeah. Yes. With pediatric neurology. And uh, I mean, it is just such an amazing, uh, I, I, the story I tell is I really didn't understand DNS at its core until I took the pediatrics courses. Right. I, I had great instructors and I had a great, in, you know, understanding, but not in, did I like fully grasp it until I took pediatrics and and the reason is because that's the background the the uh, you know the all the reflexes and uh all the things that just the neurology that goes into us evolving into what we are is truly amazing and uh it's scary because there's so many things can go wrong but you can be such of a service to uh, not only your pediatrics patients but also your your adult patients if you understand these concepts oh yeah 
Uh, I'm kind of excited about DNS manual therapy. I mm-hmm. I feel like I'm sitting on a bunch of information that I just haven't had a spot to throw it in. So like that, I think that rolls out in Florida. Yep, May. Uh, May 4th and 5th, and that is in uh, Jupiter. One of our favorite places arise. Oh, so Mickey Masuki and David Donatucci have literally the best office in the world. I mean, it is unbelievable there. And other than this, obviously, the Winchester Spine Sport. But uh, it is an unbelievable time, and uh, it'll be beautiful in May. So we're, you've never eaten at Leftovers either. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's right. So uh, anyway, we have we we've got some great DNS courses this year, guys. We would love for you to join us in, especially if you hasn't if you haven't taken a course in a while. Uh, do challenge yourself to take a new one. Like I think it will ve- it will really change your perspective and uh, kind of shed new light on what DNS is all about. So. And the most underrated person that will be there, Elena Kobasova. So right. she is, uh, she's a neurologist, and honestly, she doesn't travel mm-hmm. at all anymore. So I think like. And she will undercut herself, but I'm telling you, she has been around more greats in the world than probably anyone else, honestly. And uh, she'll tell a story that will just knock your your yeah. socks off yeah. as far as like what she knows and who she, you know. Like, just she's been around so much yeah. stuff and just so so insanely good. So that'd be another huge thing. So uh, anyway, the pediatric courses, DNS courses, everything is on the gestaltedu.com website. Uh, there'll be links below in the, in the show notes. Uh, Thanks, Brett, for getting me hooked on DNS. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I've been telling people the DNS D course was a special, 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 uh, just opportunity for me because we got to sit in the same room that Yonda taught in and Leva taught in and Collage taught in. And, uh, I just think like the history and stuff. And so, uh, if you, if you have the urge to continue your DNS journey, I highly, highly suggest the DNS D course. So go to Prague. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks, Brett. Do you got any uh, picks for the weekend? I know the NFL coming up. The NFL is so on its head right now. Um, I would say in the Super Bowl, um, no offense, I know the Pack's playing the 49ers. I still like the 49ers coming out in the NFC. And then, and I mean, originally I liked the, uh, I like the Ravens, but then I don't know. I, I kind of like Buffalo again. So right now, if you made me say, I would say 49ers and Bills in the nice. Super Bowl. I probably agree with that. The Packers script tonight that, is the yeah, Niners. So. Are, you, know, know, they, yeah. you still have you still have Patrick Mahomes. So anyway, for more succinct picks, if you check out Gestalt Sportsbook on Instagram, we'll we'll be sure to get them out for you. But anyway, guys, have a great day. Good luck with patience, and uh, we'll see you at a future DNS course. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gestalt Education Show. Uh, if you liked it, share it, subscribe to it, uh, send it to your friends, send it to someone that needs to hear this message. Uh, we really want everyone to be able to, to tune in and, and get the, the best clinical advice that they can, which uh, we're hoping that we're giving to you with these special guests. So um, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Or if you have any suggestions on upcoming uh, conversations, let us know. Uh, for a list of our upcoming courses, we're adding them all the dang time. So go to gestaltedu.com. Click on courses and they'll all be right there for you. All right. Have a good day.